Welcome to Just Checking In. I'm Becky Buckman. And I'm Kiana Corliss. Each week, we'll use humor, a little irony, and definitely some self-deprecation to dive into the world of high-tech corporate comms. We'll use our expertise and less-than-serious take on the tech news cycle to bring you the best in the business across comms and media for one-of-a-kind insights and perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Get ready to laugh and maybe even start a tweet thread. This is Just Checking In. Kiana, I want to talk on our pod today about a different podcast. There are no other podcasts. This is it. There are no others like ours, but That's but true. as we think about our roles and all the, the great listeners who listen to this pod, all the other communications pros, as we think about our roles as storytellers, because we are essentially storytellers, I just want to talk for a minute about this podcast that I am obsessed with. If you follow me on social, you know, it's called Bone Valley. Have you heard of it? I actually have not heard of this. It's essentially a true crime podcast, and it is an extremely, unbelievably riveting nine-part podcast about this guy in Florida who was convicted of murdering his wife in 1987. He is still in jail. This guy's name is Leo Schofield, and any rational person who listens to this podcast knows he didn't do it. I'm not going to give away the ending. Oh my God, I can't handle these. These hurt my heart. It's too sad. But like, all I'm going to say is that one, I would love for this case to get more attention, like the Florida Innocence Project. You know, they only take on the best cases where they know they've got a case they're involved. It's crazy because like, they won't give him parole because he won't show remorse and admit he did it because he didn't do it. Oh my God. I know. Well, I know. But what, but I think what it highlighted to me is like, we can get so busy in our jobs and, be reading, you know, tech news and Twitter and all that stuff. But, you know, reading a book, seeing a movie, listening to a really riveting podcast. Like I go on extra long walks, like just so I can finish, you know what I mean? Listening to the episode because it's so riveting. I think it just reinforces to us that we are storytellers and that's what makes things work in this business. I agree with that. I actually think that you have to be a really good storyteller to do well in this role. And you have to understand sort of what motivates people to listen to your story. And so whether that's because it's heavy or because it's interesting or because it has, you know, bearing on their day-to-day job or life, if you can't understand sort of what the motivation of the person on the other side is to listen to your story, and that's like when we're pitching a reporter, and but that's on the reporter's side too, like when they're writing a story. And so I think, you know, it's super interesting. And I think there's some people that have done an incredible job doing that. I know. But like, if you think about our guests in the pod, the journalist guests we've had this year, like Brad Stone, like, you know, a lot of the stories he tells, it's like a different story in each chapter of that Amazon book. On the face of it could get, except for the Lauren Sanchez stuff, could get really boring. But like, he is such a gifted storyteller that he makes this kind of dry business stuff really interesting. I actually agree with that. I I was trying to figure out how you tell some of these stories as a story. When I started reading Brad's book, I was like, how is he going to do this? Because this is just like cloud storage. Yeah. How is this going to be interesting? Right. But he did. You know, we have Judy Shaw on the show today. I think she's actually done an incredible job of turning what's supposed to be sort of like a financial transaction, right? Like Mm -hmm. buy my stock, sell my stock. It's the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. She's brought storytelling down to the New York Stock Exchange. And I think she's, you know, she has a lot of really cool stories and she's been there for quite a while. She's seen sort of the New York Stock Exchange shift from truly kind of this old boys club where, 
it was just, you know, like there's papers flying everywhere, which by the way, I never understood how that place operated. Like when people were just throwing paper all over the place, I'm like, this looks they so were messy. market makers. I just never understood how that worked. But she's seen a lot. And I actually think it's really fascinating how over the years, she's done such an incredible job of turning a very one-to-one transaction into yeah. incredible storytelling and storytelling about companies. And, you know, she's awesome to work with. If you haven't met her, gotten a chance to know her, hopefully you'll get to know her a little bit in this podcast. She's a great storyteller on the floor of the exchange, but I think her episode, which we'll jump into in just a second, also highlights how when you're going public, that is the ultimate storytelling exercise for you as a company, right? You've got to tell your story to these critical audiences. And if you don't tell it well, your stock's not going to trade well. And comps has to have a seat at that table or yes. is not going to end well for you. So for sure. Okay, right. well, let's get into it with Judy Shaw. Let's do it. Many of you comms folks that have gone public over the years will know our guest today. Judy Shaw leads corporate communications related to listings and media relations at none other than the New York Stock Exchange. She is also host of one of my favorite shows, the New York Stock Exchange Floor Talk and What's the Fund, which if you've never seen it, has interviewed some of the most interesting CEOs, celebrities, sports figures, and other VIPs of all time right on the trading floor. Welcome, Judy. Wonderful to be here, Kiana. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited to have you on. Judy and I met, I think, 2013, right? Because it was during Tableau's IPO. When Tableau went public, yes. Yes. And you were our amazing, incredible sort of like liaison. And I was still sort of new to the world and I had no idea what I was doing. And Judy (laughs) taught me everything I know. So... Well, I wouldn't go that crazy, but I mean, you certainly stood out to me because you were so in touch with everything media related and and with the different news outlets. And I'm like, wow, I think I'm going to learn something from her. (laughs) Oh, well, you're so sweet. You guys, we do have a uh, thing at this podcast that you can only compliment me if you come on this show. And so Judy has (laughs) her part of the contract. (laughs) Where are my compliments? Judy actually looks great. There's no video on here, but we were just discussing earlier how Kiana and I show up in like hoodies and sweats to this podcast, these podcast tapings. And Judy looks like she could walk out on the floor right now. So, Well, that's what happens when you're doing NYSE floor talk many times a day. So you're on camera all the time. You know, you definitely have to put on the red lips and comb the hair. (laughs) It's because we're all in Silicon Valley and we're like, if Zuck can wear hoodies, so can we. Tell us, I guess, for for people who don't know, what does it mean to do comms for these listing companies? Like, how did you come into this role? I think for anyone who has never gone public, they have no idea what this sort of entails. I've been here for over 25 years. So it didn't just start with listings, media and communications. It started many years ago when I got my foot in the door here and started working at the New York Stock Exchange. And I have to say, for me, being a young teenage girl, walking past that facade so many years ago and just seeing it, I would stop and I would just be in awe. And I'm like, wow, just look at those pillars and look at the history here. Like, oh, I I just couldn't believe it. And I said to myself, I'm like, I want to work there. I'm going to work there one day. And I ended up dropping out of college, came to New York. It was one of those bright lights, big city stories, you know, and I had to be there. And I got my foot in the door. I started working in the general counsel's office as an admin. And I was like, wow, I'm here. Here I am. And then I was like, oh, general counsel, admin. 
not all the fun and excitement, you know, of the New York Stock Exchange as much as I being love a, Being a law, in the <laughs> law office of the New York Stock Exchange isn't riveting. It wasn't quite it. People were wonderful, loved and loved the team. But I was like, you know what, this just isn't for me. So started volunteering with the communications department. I was seeing all the exciting things that were happening. So I was like, oh, wow, maybe they need help. And I started doing that. And then eventually they asked me to work with them. They pulled me out. They're like, come work for us. And it was so exciting. I started doing events there, working, you know, just on all the amazing things that were happening outside of the building because there were like these amazing giant events that would happen outside in front of the New York Stock Exchange. You know, companies were coming in and they were celebrating their milestones. So I was responsible for that. And then eventually started just moving my way through and kind of just like started doing things. So I, I ended up doing media relations. So working with all of the media outlets that were on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. And, you know, there were many of them that were here. And we're talking about the times of, you know, when Maria Bartiromo was on the trading floor. And then eventually just doing other things from there. So working on um, with new listings and IPOs and being part of that pitch process where I was helping to sell the media value of listing on the New York Stock Exchange. You know, coming here, look, you have all of these media properties that are here. This is how we can support you. This is how I can support you. Currently, it's like I am working with our company. So whether it's new companies, IPOs that are planning to list on the New York Stock Exchange or companies that are already listed on the New York Stock Exchange or are part of our family, our community, um, you know, just helping them to garner media attention around their milestone events and giving them access to the media outlets and helping them, you know, to set up interviews so that they can talk to the media outlets about what they're highlighting. So really just like working with these companies and with IPO companies, it's, you know, leading up to IPO, um, talking to them about best practices, what I've seen, what others have done around their listing days, and just guiding them through that and also supporting them where I am helping with that outreach to these various media properties to schedule interviews for IPO day. And then that's for an IPO company. That's just the beginning of the relationship, because once you're a listed company, you're welcome to come back to the New York Stock Exchange, celebrate future milestones. And then that's where I also come back and I'm like, OK, I'm here. I can help you with media. So, you know, if you're interested in, in doing some interviews again to talk about your latest milestone, you know, let's do that. Let's try to, of course, try to set up interviews and, and get you in, in front of all of these outlets to talk about your news. So it's really an ongoing partnership. And Kiana, you and I have had the opportunity to work many times. So started with IPO day. And then, of course, it was beyond. So when you came back and we've gone from there. And I snuck my way up to the uh, the podium. We call it the podium, it's the right? the bell podium. Yeah. The bell podium. Oh. Yeah, I uh, I snuck my way. I didn't really sneak my way on. I was going to say, me. I, no sneaking I, up there. I was there and one of my executives was like, oh, just come on with us. And so I was like, okay. And I went up and it's actually, it's a lot smaller than it looks. I remember being, I was like, this thing is tiny. <laughs> and there's, it looks like you could fit 30 people up there yeah, or something. No, there's always a huge number of people in the photo. It's, they're all real tight. <laughs> yeah. It, it can yeah. be. It can be. So yes, there are 14 people that are on that podium and then there's one NYSE host. So we have like an Someone from our executive management that's there hosting the bell. That's, of course, guiding the bell ringer through what they need to do to ring that bell. For the record, it's a button. Can we please? I'm going to tell everyone. It is a a button. button. (laughs) It's a button. There's a bell. (laughs) It's a button. But the bell does actually ring. (laughs) I know we definitely want to talk about listing and IPO. But unlike Kiana, I've only been to the floor. I've been to the floor as a reporter, I think, before. But we had one battery ventures company list. It was Wayfair, the, you know, e-commerce furniture, Mm -hmm. home goods company. 
And I remember, and this was, I think this was 2014 and they did a whole like set on the floor where they yes, put they furniture did. out there and it was like they decorated a living room. And it made me realize that things have probably gotten way, way more sophisticated. I mean, so like even since then, what kinds of things do companies do to, you know what I mean? Sort of like deck out the floor. And I'm sure it's unbelievably creative what a lot of these companies can do, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we always tell companies, bring us your ideas. We want to be able to showcase these companies. So you have to ask, right? If you if you don't ask, mm-hmm. you don't know if it can be done. So you ask and then we'll be like, okay, yeah, maybe we can do that. I do remember Wayfair very well. I worked on that IPO and did organize interviews for the CEO. And, and we actually did also utilize that living room that they set up a small living room. I mean, it was absolutely beautiful what they did. They just took a small corner of the trading floor right behind CNBC set. And they did a nice mm-hmm. little sofa and lamp and rug. And and then what we ended up doing was having that be our set for interviews. So having the CEO sit there and do interviews. But yeah, there's so many opportunities for companies to showcase their brand. If they have products they can put on display, you know, we welcome that, you know, to be able to set up things on the trading floor. Through the years, you know, we've had many different things that have happened here on the floor. You name it, it's pretty much been done. Years and years ago where we had a horse on the floor, you know, we had a Clydesdale on the floor. The, the Budweiser I was about to ask you, has anyone ever brought like an animal? <laughs> oh God, many times. There's been no shortage of animals that have been on the trading floor. One of my actually um, <laughs> really cool memories talking about animals is um, the time that we had Nacho Forget Forget Us is his name. He's the polo model. Um, he came in and it was with Vuv Clicquot and he came in with his horse. So he was on the trading <laughs> floor with his horse and he even Why got I get an horse. and some champagne. Day. What's the connection I mean, here? I sorry, need to understand. Judy, I, I I don't recall my my invite to that day, but it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> you and I we, we didn't know each other back then. <laughs> yeah, male model champagne. Right? Well, um, you had a polo we? player okay. and champagne with the hat. Yeah, I mean it's like <laughs> pinch me. <laughs> so not a swipe and juicy on the floor, but no. I mean nowadays you have so many so many different things that companies are doing um, with like events that are outside on the street. Recently, um, you know, we had Grinder that listed on the NYSE, and that was actually a business com- combination with SPAC. And they had a big event outside of the exchange as well. So we do have an area outside of the NYSE, which is called Experience Square. So that's another spot where companies can showcase their brand and they're showcasing it to the public. So it's not you're not just like limited to space that's on our trading floor. You also can have access to the space outside and you can engage the public there as well. And you have branding on our facade. But they had like a big concert that was taking place out there pretty much all day. So that was like very exciting to be able to have that outside. Becky, I think one time we should do a live podcast from outside the New York Stock Exchange. I feel oh. like Judy could make that happen. I like Holy. it. I think I can make that happen. That's actually how we should have taped <laughs> this. What a missed opportunity. Yeah, well, we should have flown to New York. All right. No to self. No to self. Next time. <laughs> Okay, so what I love, because I always follow you on LinkedIn, and I feel like you, every time something happens, someone like wins an Oscar, someone dies, someone's born, whatever, <laughs> you are able to put up a picture of the time that you interviewed them on the New York yeah. Stock Exchange floor. Yeah. Like every time. <laughs> like yeah. someone's elected president, here's the time I interviewed yeah. them on the floor. How did New York Stock Exchange or NYSE floor talk come about? Was that your brainchild or how did that happen? So let me backtrack there because like even me being involved in doing videos and doing interviews, like that started so long ago, actually, when I first started working in communications. 
we were doing videos, doing interviews like back then, but it was more of a like off-camera interviews. There was a time when we were doing a video news release every single day from the New York Stock Exchange. So we were putting out these um, you know, wow. videos every morning. And as part of that was an interview with the opening bell ringer or other execs and folks that were coming through the building. I was doing, you know, interviews back then, but then it eventually started to evolve where I got in front of the camera. So that was really nerve wracking. It's not something that I was, you know, comfortable with. And even sometimes I, even today, I, I get nervous sometimes, of course, but not something that I was just like, hey, I know I want to do this. It was just kind of like in my role working in communications and media relations, like, okay, you're doing this. And I started doing it. And there's been several different interview shows that I've done, but Floor Talk started like three years ago. And it was really meant to be um, an interview series where we were going to focus on all of the amazing things that were happening here at the New York Stock Exchange, talking to CEOs that are coming through the building, but not just limited to CEOs. It was going to be like, okay, there's so many different people that are coming through this building that we could access. And you don't even have to be just coming through this building. Like if there's something, someone interesting out there that we want to talk to, there's something amazing happening in New York City, let's say, let's try to get them on the show. Let's talk to them. And the show has really blown up. You know, it started off where maybe we were doing just a couple of interviews a week to then doing interviews like several times a day. I've had days where I've done like as many as five interviews, maybe more in a single day. Last year, we ended... 2022 with like 260 interviews. And that was CEOs, VIPs, dignitaries, celebrities, sports figures, you name it. It was like the most interesting people that were coming through. So kept me really busy, which was great, you know, and especially a time where we see things have kind of slowed down on, you know, the IPO market, but it was like, there was just no shortage of people to talk to. So now the show is really built up momentum. I have lots of people that are reaching out to me. They see it on social channels, on our social channels. It's all across NYSE social channels. And they're reaching out and they're like, hey, how can I get my you know, CEO uh, on the show? Or how can I get on the show? We're evaluating, of course. And it's kind of great to be in a position where you don't always have to chase down your guests. You know, they're coming to you. So <laughs> or wanting to be on the no, show. You're the say, new, okay. you're the new money, honey. You're the new Maria Bartiromo, apparently. I don't know about oh, that, but I, you know, Maria Bartiromo, <laughs> I've, I've also interviewed her for Floor Talk when she celebrated oh my God. her 25th anniversary of first reporting from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. So oh, yeah, wow. it's been, uh, it's been quite a run and definitely have some big goals for 2023, you know, building up the show even more and getting more interesting people on. You know, definitely have my my list of, of people that that I would want to talk to or, or hope, hoping I can talk to this year and see if we can, you know, maybe even beat the goal of 260. You hear that, Cops people? Get your pitches in. One question I had for you, Judy, I know you talked about how a lot of your role is helping to connect companies that are listing with media. In my role, we give a lot of counsel to our pre-IPO companies as well about how to prepare for a listing and all that. What are some details about how you work with the comms leads at the specific companies? Like, I'm just interested in what did you handle? What did they handle? And like, how do you share that burden? It seems like it's it would be super helpful because you can reach more people if you have, you know, two people working on this instead of one. Yeah. And that's a great question because what you do see now actually is you see a lot of companies that of course they have their internal comms team. And then they also may be working with external comms, right? They have external PR firms that are also doing their work for them. Um, and then you have me. So, you know, the way I look at it and the way I approach it when I'm working with any company is, you know, I'm here to support you. Um, and, you know, you may have 
a relationship with someone that you're very close to. So I'm not going to touch that one. Like you should be the first person to approach that. But, you know, we'll look at kind of like what all the the goals are, what the targets are, and then kind of like divvy it up. So it's like, okay, you know what? I work with these guys all the time. I see them on the floor, maybe. So it's like, why don't I take first crack at that? Let me approach them. Let me see if I have any luck. If I don't, then your PR firm, maybe they have the relationship or vice versa, you know, vice versa. Mm -hmm. PR firm maybe like, well, we're working with these people. We're doing this. And I'm like, okay, great. Just know that I'm here. If you need me to support you there, I'm happy to do that. So a lot of times, you know, we'll just see kind of a blend of everything. We're working together, right? Because we're all chasing that common goal, right? We want to maximize on on opportunities for the client. But then also sometimes a, little, a client may say, you know what? We're not going to involve our PR firm. Why don't you do it? Can you reach out? Can you yeah. do it? And it's like, of course, happy to support you and help you there. We determine, you know, how we want to go about that. But it's really, wor- it's working together. And I remember that because I, you know, the first time we went public, first time I was at the New York Stock Exchange, like... I didn't know any of these people. I now, you know, I've built good relationships, but I came to you and I was like, Judy, I don't know anybody. Can you please introduce me to these people? And you did, which was amazing. So I think having someone like you is probably super valuable. Thank you. And you know what I see also a lot is that I do build relationships as well with PR professionals, whether it's the internal comms or external comms, and then they will come to me, you know, just throughout the year when there are different things that are happening and they will say, you know what, we've got this news announcement, we want to see if we can get an interview. So it's kind of like a one off. It's like, oh, yeah, sure. Let me reach out. Let me see what we can do. And then that's also an opportunity where I'm like, oh, okay, well, let's do a floor talk as well. So we kind of make that into like a a bigger thing for them. Or they'll just say, we've got this news announcement, can we do floor talk? So they'll just come over and it's like, okay, this is the way we're gonna we're gonna share your news. But it's been ongoing for years and years and years. I have relationships with with people for so many years. And it's so wonderful to be able to work with them. And a lot of times what you'll also see is where people are moving on and it's like, oh, I remember working with you at this company and now I'm at this company. So it just kind of continues on (laughs) even as things are changing. So I've been, I guess I've been a constant (laughs) for a lot of people. You have been the constant in my financial PR life for 10 years. (laughs) Before we go, who was your favorite floor talk or (laughs) either favorite or if you have like a really crazy story outside of the dude that came with his polo horse and moved. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, how much time do we have? (laughs) Because I can tell all the time in the world for you, Judy. It's hard to say my favorite floor talk because I've really, I've spoken to so many different people through the years, but I can certainly tell you, I mean, there's no shortage of interest in people that come, come to the NYSE. And a couple of just funny, funny things that I can even remember is um, Bradley Cooper came in years ago. I brought him in and didn't tell anyone. Okay, it was one of those where I was working with a PR professional and said, let's do this, you know, bring him in and and we'll get media. And it was like, amazing. I walked him on the floor. We did some media hits and photographs and everything. Picture ended up everywhere. It was like part of his press junket. I took a picture with him. And then just a few years ago, when he won the Oscar with Lady Gaga. And yeah, it was a whole big thing with Lady Gaga. So I then said, Oh, let me post my picture with Bradley Cooper. This is what I'm talking yeah. about, by the way, anything that happens, <laughs> she has a picture. I told you, thank you for validating my picture. So, this, this is so funny, because I post the picture. And I said something along the lines of like, you know, before Lady Gaga, there was me. <laughs> and oh, my God, went viral on LinkedIn. And there were like over 4 million <laughs> views. On what? 
Wait, seriously? We kill for that. This is amazing. It was amazing. I've never experienced anything like that. I was watching LinkedIn and I was just looking at it like the likes and like, you know, it was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. So that was crazy. Another really kind of, this is like a, a, a funny, shocking story was Kiss came in, band Kiss came in with Dr. Pepper Snapple. And this was like their partnership. And they brought Were in they the band. Full makeup? Full makeup. Like makeup. So here I am. I just, Aren't they like know, in their 70s now? They're pretty well, old. Now, now they right? are. They're probably 65 back then. But, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> but who's counting? A little bit younger. But I walk onto our floor here and I'm like, just go to turn the corner. And then all of a sudden I see like Gene Simmons there in full costume. And it's like, <gasps> you know, <laughs> you just stop. And you're like, oh, my God, what am I what am I witnessing here? <laughs> I want to see him in one of those little jackets that the market makers in the floor Oh my God, wear. a trade You know what I mean? Like in yeah. his full makeup with the, yeah. yeah. No, that's just crazy. So something else you had said, it's like you were looking at my LinkedIn and it's like you just like would know when someone died and I would post a picture. Someone recently said to me, they're like, you know, I don't even need to look at the obituaries. I just know when someone died. It's like, I just look at your LinkedIn. I'm oh like, my oh my God. God that's so- <laughs> look at Judy's thing. That's so, I'm telling you, man. I sometimes I'm like, oh. Look, Bradley Cooper won an Oscar. How nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Judy, were you there on 9-11 if you've been there for 25 years? And what was that like? Yes, I was. I was here indeed. And um, life-changing moment, obviously. Remembering that, I mean, it's, you know, over 21 years now. And um, I commuted through the World Trade Center. So I was in that building, you know, 20 minutes before that first plane hit. I'll never forget, oh. you know, just getting up to my office and then hearing that sound and you know, not knowing at the time a plane had hit and it was like, oh my God, you just stopped in your tracks and you're like, something really bad just happened. Like really, really bad. We're all running to a conference room and looking on the screens and we see a plane hitting and it's like, oh my God, you know, hitting the World Trade Center. And then we're continuing to watch and you see that second plane hitting and, you know, just at that moment, you just knew, oh my goodness, we're under attack and running to the trading floor and being on the floor for, for several, several hours and getting back to, you know, where I live. I live right across the river in Hoboken and you could hear a pin drop, you know, in, in the streets, you mm-hmm. know, when I left the building that day. But then I came back on the day that the market opens, which was September 17th. So it's happened on a Tuesday and we reopened the markets on, on that Monday. And I'd been asked to come back to the office earlier. But I was the only mom in my office at that time. My son was a, a year and a half, you know, he was a baby. And I said, I can't go, I can't go back yet. I can't, you know, I'm just not ready. I went back on that Monday, but our teams here were in, they were preparing for the market open. And, you know, we came back that day. And of course, the world was changed at that point. I remember walking up to the NYSE and there were several checkpoints and, you had to show your ID and it were just armored tanks, you know, everywhere and, you know, military and just getting our way there. And then that bell ringing where it was first responders and government officials and, you know, there, that was it. It was like, you know, we're not going anywhere. The markets are are resilient. They're, they're remaining open. And that's a very important day here at the NYSE, you know, for the trading floor and we market, you know, every year, and it really means a lot to to everyone that was here on the floor during that time. You know, that changed the world at that yeah. point. And, um, you know, never forget it. I have goosebumps. 
I know, I know. I did too. We I rarely get goosebumps, that. but she gave me goosebumps. Yeah, did, no, I was trying amazing. to remember the day it happened. Did so they they when did they make the call and who made the call to close? Right, it was, I mean, well, it was before the market opened, so it was oh, we never opened the market. The market that never day. opened. That's we didn't right. Open it. That's yeah. right. It was at like eight. It was like at eight eleven eight, or something. Or it was eight forty five. Yeah, yeah. So Dick Grasso, who was the former chairman and CEO at the time, he made the call to not open the market. That was life changing. I was a journalist at the time and our offices were at 200 Liberty Street, which was right across the street. But it was the similar thing where journalists get to work late, at least on the East Coast, because they work late. So a lot of people, when that happened, were not at the office yet. And thank goodness everybody who was there was able to be evacuated safely. So Yes, yes. No, I remember anybody that has a New York tie remembers that day very well, very well. Oh, yes. Yeah, that was a day that we'll never forget. Trudy, it's been so great speaking with you. And you're obviously a great person for so many of our listeners to get to know, right? If they've got a pre-IPO company and they're they're thinking about an IPO sometime soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Reach out to Judy. We love her. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's been great to talk with you both. Thanks for listening to Just Checking In. Follow us at at Kiana Corliss and at Rebecca Buckman. Just Checking In is a StudioPod media production. Our producer is Teresa Buchanan, and our show coordinators are Nicole Genova and Alex Karkos. 